This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore shares started the week in a sea of red, despite global markets ending the week on the uptrend. The Straits Times Index fell 0.4% and ended the day down 0.3% to 3,167 points. On Tuesday, Singapore shares opened with strong gains after global markets ended mixed overnight. The STI climbed 0.7% and closed up 1.03% to 3,199 points. At the midweek, Singapore shares extended their rally following overnight gains globally as expectations for a pause in US monetary tightening strengthened. The STI gained 0.4% but closed down 0.19% to 3,193 points. And on Thursday, Singapore shares opened stronger ahead of the release of key US consumer inflation data. The STI rose 0.5% and closed up 0.81% to 3,219 points. It's Friday, October 13th. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Singapore shares opened lower following news that the country's economy grew 0.7% on-year for the third quarter of 2023. The STI fell 0.7% to 3,195 points. Here's Candice Lee, market analyst at SGX Securities, with her overview of the trading week. In the week to date until Thursday evening, SCI gained 1.4% along with most global indices. The FTSE APEC index gained 1.8% while the S&P 500 gained 1.4% over the week so far. This follows dovish comments from the Federal Reserve during the midweek. However, last night's US CPI print came higher than expected. Expectations for a rate hike before the year ends have now risen above 30%. In terms of institutional fund flows in Singapore across the last five sessions through to 11th of October, we observed net institutional fund outflows of $35 million. By sector, the highest net outflows over the last five sessions were seen across REITs at $55 million, industrials at $25 million, and consumer non-cyclicals at $24 million. On the other hand, inflows were seen across financial services at $60 million, technology at $90 million, and telcos at $4 million. On a stock level, largest outflows were seen across Thai Beverage at 18 million, Maple Tree Logistics Trust at 30 million, and Jardim Medicine at 11 million. On the other hand, largest inflows were recorded in OCBC at 56 million, SGX at 10 million, and Venture at 10 million. On price performance terms, the top three outperformers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least 500 million Sing dollars were Franken Group. Digital Core REIT and AEM Holdings, averaging 9% gains. On the other hand, top three decliners for the week were Jardim Matheson, DFI Retail Group and Hotel Grand Central, averaging 2.7% declines. Looking further back, after ending July at 3,374 points, the SDI has since declined 5.2% till 10th of October, with dividends reducing the decline in total return to 3.5%. This decline has been comparable to the 4.8% and 4.7% declines in total return for the FTSE ASEAN Extended 60 Index and the FTSE Asia-Pacific Index respectively. Because the regional bank sector was comparatively defensive, the SDI generally outpaced Singapore's 200 most traded stocks. These 200 stocks generated a median 6.3% decline in total return over the past 10 weeks. However, we've seen 41 stocks among the 200 that have booked positive defensive returns, of which 7 of them represented the consumer non-cyclical sector. 
This includes Catalyst-listed Zisin and Mainboard-listed Golden Agri Resources, QAF, Food Empire, Delphi, First Resources and Bumitama Agri. In fact, Zisin, which was previously known as China Star Food Group, is a sweet potato biotech-focused value chain operator in China. The group has announced multiple strategic investments since June this year and has so far seen its average daily trading since July grow 12-fold compared to the first half of 2023. For more passive investors, Singapore welcomed two ETF listings in the past quarter focusing on regional equities ETFs. The first was the IHS MSCI Asia X Japan Climate Action ETF. It tracks the MSCI AC Asia X Japan Climate Action Index. It selects the top companies across each sector based on their carbon intensity and commitments, green revenues or opportunities, as well as climate risk management. It is the largest equity ETF launched in Singapore with asset under management of US $426 million at launch. The second was the launch of the CGS Full Gold Vietnam 30 Sector Cap ETF. It provides investors access to Vietnam, one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia. Vietnam recorded a year-on-year GDP growth of 4.14% in the second quarter this year thanks to the rapidly growing middle class. The year-to-date performance of Vietnam's Ho Chi Minh Stock Index has also outpaced many ASEAN peers. Vietnam, Indonesia and Singapore are the only ASEAN indices that maintained a positive total return so far this year. Looking ahead, the upcoming launch of the new CGS Fugo CSI 1000 ETF also provides access to China's high-growth and innovative industries such as technology, healthcare and advanced manufacturing. Megan Chia joins us with her wrap of this week's highlights. It was a relatively tumultuous week for stock markets as traders worldwide took stock of the ongoing Israel-Hamas war and the release of inflation data in the US. Investors were also hopeful that the series of interest rate hikes from the US Federal Reserve would not continue for much longer, which added to the optimistic sentiments around the world. As at the Singapore market close on Thursday, it appeared to be a sea of gains for indices in Asia, as traders in markets took to bargain hunting despite initial worries over the impact of the Israeli conflict on capital markets. Japan's Topix and Nikkei 225 were the best performers by value for the week. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index was another notable gainer, while China's market indices also make significant gains among the regional indices. Market watchers also have a close watch on the ongoing corporate earnings season for the third quarter of the year. These financial results of companies both locally and around the world will give investors some insights into how interest rates are affecting corporates' profitability and the impact this would have, in turn, on equity valuations. Equities had a mixed showing in the second quarter earnings season as inflationary pressures weighed on profitability. Nonetheless, markets appear to be more optimistic in the third quarter despite the lingering uncertainty and cost pressures. On the commodity front, oil was front and centre this week. The West Texas Intermediate and Brent initially surged in response to the Israeli conflict. There were fears that the conflict could threaten global output, particularly if it spreads to the wider petroleum-producing Gulf region. It is important to note that the broader Gulf region is critical in terms of oil production and transports a large share of global oil output. A conflict in the broader area could significantly stifle global oil supply and cause crude prices to soar, market observers said. A spike in crude oil prices typically also has knock-on effects on economies because the commodity plays a direct role in a wider range of goods and services. Prices have paired some gains since the spike on Monday this week, but analysts said the situation remains volatile at the moment. 
In Singapore, Keppel Corporation will be announcing its third quarter business update next Thursday after market close. The company had reported record high earnings of over 3.6 billion Singapore dollars for the first half of the year, buoyed by a 3.3 billion dollar disposal gain from the divestment of its offshore and marine business. Analysts have cheered the group's active move away from brown energy into green energy, as well as the major overhaul of the group's business to drive its transformation into a global asset manager with an integrated business model. In the coming fortnight, the trio of local lenders will also be announcing their third quarter financial results. Banks globally have enjoyed a solid performance for the first half of the year on the back of higher interest rates, and the Singapore banking trio led the third quarter net institutional inflows on the Singapore exchange. In terms of macroeconomic news next week, Singapore will announce its non-oil export figures on Tuesday, October 17th. There is also set to be a one-year T-bill auction next Thursday, October 19th. The following week will see the city-state report its inflation figures and industrial production figures. Still to come, economic data and highlighted stocks of the week. Break down useful financial tips with Money Hacks from the Business Times with correspondent Howie Lim. Every first and third Monday of the month, go to bt.sg podcasts to download or listen wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, could you highlight the most notable news for the week, please? Singapore's advanced GDP estimates came in at 0.7% year-on-year growth for the third quarter. This was an improvement from second quarter's 0.5% year-on-year growth and higher than Reuters' poll of 0.4%. Reopening across the region continued to support growth in tourism-related sectors. However, manufacturing, most notably the electronics industry, faces weaker demand from major trading partners. In the third quarter, the goods-producing industries as a whole shrank 3.5% year-on-year. Looking across the region, the International Monetary Fund published its latest World Economic Outlook. It maintained that Singapore and ASEAN will see growth acceleration in 2024 and expects Singapore GDP to grow by 1% this year before doubling up to 2.1% next year. This echoes the MAS survey of professional forecasters' mean expectations for a 2.3% GDP growth in 2024. The projection also coincides with IMF expectations for ASEAN's growth to also accelerate from 4.2% this year to 4.5% next year. The Monetary Authority of Singapore has kept policies unchanged in October, extending the pause in April and in line with expectations. MAS has maintained the prevailing rate of appreciation of the SGD nominal effective exchange rate policy band. There are no changes to the width of the policy band as well. MAS expects Singapore's growth to improve gradually over 2024, although it warned that recovery could be weaker than expected given an uncertain global economic outlook. It also noted that core inflation has slowed and is projected to broadly decline over next year. Globally on the tech front, artificial intelligence has captured market headlines with much of the market's focus on finding signs of the global semiconductor industry turning a corner. Most projections on semiconductor sales are in the vicinity of US $1 trillion by 2030, with the IoT and AI era driving a new wave of industry growth and innovation. Back in Singapore, UMS Holdings noted that it was seeing signs that demand may stabilise and that it had successfully renewed its integrated system contract with its key customer until the end of 2025. 
This past week, semiconductor players in Singapore, namely AEM, UMS and Franken, averaged gains of 6.8% led by Franken. The Ministry of Manpower announced a transition scheme on Wednesday for about 1,000 foreign workers' dormitories to improve their housing standards. Over a four-year period from 2027 to 2030, the vast majority of these existing dormitories will need to meet an interim set of requirements. This include a maximum of 12 people per room, a living space of at least 3.6 square meters per resident, and mandatory ensuite toilets. By 2040, the 1,000 dormitories will have to comply with even higher standards that were announced in 2021. Okay, Candice, Megan and I are each going to pick some stocks. You give us the latest info you have for them, okay? Sure, let's do this. What can you tell us about Keppel REIT? Keppel REIT announced that Equifax, a global data analytics and technology company, has moved in as anchor tenant at its Blue and William Building in Sydney. As anchor tenant, Equifax occupies more than 4,350 square metres across three levels. It was a move to relocate from two different offices previously to bring its people together in a new, modern and sustainable workplace. Keppel Reed acquired Blue and William in 2021 and it achieved practical completion in April this year. The Reed manager noted that almost half the office space is now leased. Let's do another Reed, shall we? Cromwell European Reed. Sure. Cromwell European REIT has completed the divestment of an asset in Italy at 94 million euros. This sale consideration represents a 13.1% premium over its 2017 purchase price of 83.1 million euros and is about 28.2% above the asset's valuation as at end 2022. The divestment is part of the REIT's previously stated strategy to divest up to 400 million euros of assets over the next two to three years to maintain its long-term aggregate gearing within 35 to 40%. The divestment will also reduce the REIT's portfolio weighting to Italy from 21.1% to 17.8% based on June valuations. Megan, your turn. What's your pick? Candice, give us the latest on Centurion Corporation. Yeah, in a recent response to the previously mentioned MOM's dormitory transition scheme, Centurion Corp noted that it welcomes this evolution of dormitory standards to improve pandemic resilience and livability. Currently, four out of the nine worker accommodations already meet the higher standards. Its remaining five are purpose-built dormitories, which require some retrofitting. With the retrofitting, Centurion estimates a reduction of between 3 to 11% of its total purpose-built dormitories' bed capacity in Singapore by the transition period ending 2030. Megan, go ahead. Pick another one. Hmm, let's see. What about Trendlines Group? Ah, Trendlines Group. This is an Israel and Singapore-based startup incubator. It updated on the situation in Israel recently and noted that while Trendline's operations are well away from military activities in the South, the ramifications include staff being caught up for army duty. However, it expects limited impact on its own and its portfolio company's operations, and will continue to monitor the situation to make relevant announcements accordingly. This has been Market Focus from The Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Thanks to Candice Lee, Market Analyst at SGX Securities, and Megan Chia from The Business Times News Desk. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.